you know, it's finance, so. Right. I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> it's time to start the show and educate the people. Oh, oh. It's time to help you see just how you can just how you can you can be financially free with Cleo. Hey, this is Cleo with CleoYogaFinance.com and welcome back for another episode of Financially Free with Cleo a show where we shift mindsets with real and raw money conversations with everyday people, empowering you to take action, live the lifestyle you desire and appreciate the journey, mentally, physically, and all things in between. And today we have a very special guest. We have Robert Fortune. He was born in Brooklyn to Haitian immigrant parents. At 14, his mother made him get a first job and his first bank account. And that experience was a turning point in his money mindset. I'm glad that she had you learning real early. (laughs) Uh, He founded Fortune Advisory Services in 2017 to focus on financial literacy, generational wealth, and financial freedom through proper planning of investment and insurance plans. Later that year, he created Fortune Capital Consulting to focus on creating workshops, and seminars to push the literacy agenda forward while helping others with debt management, budget planning, and credits. And his wife, Letitia, and son, Chase, are his daily driving forces to strive for greatness while living his financial freedom and creating generational wealth for himself and members of the community. I love all of that. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Robert. How are you today? Thank you so much for having me. I'm good. You know, I'm ready to ready to dive into stuff that people need to know or stuff that they probably haven't even heard of. Yes. Well, I'm, I can't wait to hear it. And I know everyone <laughs> else out there listening is excited to hear it too. But we would first love to know how you started off as a young child. You know, so just share with us how your childhood was like, how you grew up and how you first and learned about money. Yeah. So as a child, I was mostly an, uh, an introvert. I spent I spent most of my time to myself. Um, I had two older sisters, so as they got to an age where you know hanging out with their little brother isn't cool anymore, right? I spent a lot of time to myself, figured things out. I've always been like um, introspective to myself. I can I can be honest with myself. I can I can think things through. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent a lot of time playing basketball. I'm six seven, so I wasn't always six seven, but. I end up getting some heights. I, I always loved basketball. I love spending time with my mom. I love cooking. But just like my bio said that you read when I was 14, you know, you know, my mother went to my school and got me working papers. I didn't want to work. Obviously, I was like every other child. I want to enjoy my summers, right? Mm-hmm. But she did that without really explaining to me why she did it. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until later on when I when I look back on my life and I go, okay, that's why she did it. When I have my own son and I'm trying to past lessons on. So my parents were, as you said, Haitian immigrant parents. Um, they came here from very young. They built their American dream. And what they wanted for their children was college education, have a home, and then have $15,000 to bury them. So that's, <laughs> so that's the standard in the Caribbean household, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but when she took me to the bank to open a bank account, and then I had online banking, had direct deposit, and I didn't have it. I didn't have crazy expenses, and I wasn't always a child who wanted a bunch of different things. And 
I grew up not having, you know, some of the sneakers you see behind me. Mm-hmm. My parents were not buying me any of those, right? So I didn't have those things. So when I made my own money, those weren't the things I was rushing to go and get. So mm-hmm. my money continued to pile up, you know, at a small scale, but it continued to go up and I saw money going up. And I said to myself, hmm, if I just continue doing this, my money's gonna continue to grow, right? So, you know, you get $1,000 and you get $2,000 and you're like, oh, I'm rich, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's kind of like, that's the mindset. That's, that's what I talk about when I say money mindset is how do you think about money and how does it revolve around you inside of your own personal economy? So that's, that's just a little bit about me and how that came about. Yeah, and I'm glad you quickly mentioned the, the sneaker collection because I was going to ask you, did you start that at 14 when you got your first job and started working? <laughs> no, I started that when I was 17. So I didn't own my first pair of Jordans until I was 17 and I bought them myself. Mm-hmm. So that created something and then I just went crazy. But yeah. this behind me is a, it's 20 years of, of sneaker collecting. I've, I've, been, I've been a huge sneakerhead. But also um, being an advisor, I understand that I own Nike, I make them money, but then since I also own the stock, they make me money. Mm-hmm. So that's where the benefit is. Yeah. And I think that's something important and more people need to be aware of that, hey, as we're spending our money with these companies, we can invest and make some money back. Sure. Those investments too. And I think more people are excited about learning about it, but I think we definitely need professionals like you to explain to us how important it is to not just think about it, but actually start taking some action, (laughs) getting it done. Yeah, people always ask, oh, what's, what, how do I, you know, get into stock investing? What's the first thing I should look at? I always tell them, where are you spending your money now? Mm -hmm. Right? For me, my first two stocks were JP Morgan Chase, which was my first, you know, finance career job, and then Nike, because I was a huge sneakerhead. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as a woman, there may be a particular hair care brand that you like, or a particular makeup brand, or a particular dress company that you like. Um, it could be a particular restaurant. Just where are you spending your money right now? Mm-hmm. Then you look at it and go, okay, how's that company doing overall? Am I the only person that thinks they're a good company? Right? Is it? Am I? Am I in a small niche of people that say, okay, this company does well? Or overall, do people go, yeah, this is a company like a Revlon or you know something like that? And you go, okay. I spend my money there, let me buy the stock. They pay me a dividend, I get interest, I get capital gains, I get growth, right? And then now my money is growing and I can still enjoy the products. Yeah, you can still spend on the things that you like, but you can still invest, make more money and can spend more on things that you like. (laughs) Ask that question, where are you spending your money right now? And I think sometimes we forget to think about that you know we're just trying to see you know what's trending you know social media but like you said start with what do you spend your money on right now where are you going online or in person spend your money so I love that you have that as one of those first initial questions for people yeah so when it comes to your experiences all throughout your life so far what do you feel is your best money decision um, so when I first started at Chase Bank back in 2006, I came into the bank having saved between the ages of 14 to 25, $7,000. That was all my money that I had saved. And then from the time I went from 25 to 28, I had about $70,000 saved, mm. right? Because I, because I had a proper money mindset. I wasn't out there blowing it on nonsense or, you know, well, let me not say nonsense, right? I don't want anybody to feel bad. 
but I wasn't spending my money on things that I don't necessarily need, right? And I didn't have crazy expenses. I didn't have children at the time. I didn't own my own home, anything like that. Yeah. So for me, the best money thing that I did was I took $30,000 of that money and I put it in the stock market. Mm. And I said to myself, I'm putting this money, not necessarily for retirement. It's not in, a, it's not in an IRA. I'm not locking up where I can't touch it, but I'm going to use this money later, right? Mm. So I'm going to let it grow. So the companies that I'm buying, Chase, um, Nike, and some other ones, yeah. I think that they're going to be around for a long period of time. So mm. let me invest in that. And I think that was the smartest thing that I did because not only did it give me confidence in the stock market and understand how to approach another average person, because at one point I was an average person. I wasn't always an advisor, right? I wasn't born an advisor. Yeah. Advisors aren't born that way, right? It takes time. It takes experience for them to learn those things. So that was the best thing for me because now I can tell people my story. I can tell you, this is what I did, right? When you're sitting there, you say, I have you know, 10,000 or $50,000 in the bank, but I'm not comfortable risking in the market well mm -hmm. are you comfortable risking it where it's losing purchasing power because that's what you're doing at the bank so yeah. i knew working at the bank i was like they don't pay you anything right you don't make any interest on that money right <laughs> everybody knows that so where can i grow the money right am i do i constantly have to keep adding money to my savings for me to see it go up or if if i have my money invested and there's a few weeks or even a year or two years that i don't add any extra money and my money still grows that was the smartest thing that I ever did with my money. And I just, and I took that leap so I can tell people the same thing because I did it as well. Yeah. And I think that helps people understand how important things are when you tell, like, you know, you attach your advice to your own personal experiences. Cause I know for me, when I was younger, you know, a young adult, you know, when I was a teenager and younger, no one in my family talked about money at all. But as I got into college, you know, everyone said, get a savings account, get a savings account, you know, just the traditional savings accounts at the bank. That's like 0 0.0 yeah. <laughs> like that. And, you know, I'm thinking this is, you know, what I should do. But once I got my first real job and they talked about opening a 401k or other investment accounts, then I started to realize, hmm, I think I may need to switch some things around so I can not just have the money sitting there collecting pennies, you know, over the years. So I'm glad you shared that part of your story so other people can, you know, maybe evaluate their current accounts with banks and see what they may need to change around for their lifestyle. Sure, because banks have a, they have a benefit, right? They have a, they have a use, they have a, they have a, a purpose, mm -hmm. right? Their purpose isn't to make you rich. That's not their purpose, all right? So it's a, it, for me, it's a holding cell, right? It's mm -hmm. safer and more convenient than having it in, under the mattress, right? Mm -hmm. God forbid I have a fire. God forbid somebody breaks into my home, right? Um, somebody breaks into the bank, you're insured. The bank goes out of business, you're insured. So you can always get your money back, you know? Yeah. So that's what the purpose is. So I tell people, the money you have in the bank, that's the money that you're going to spend next year or two. So it doesn't matter what rate you're getting on the money because you're going to spend it somewhere else. Purchasing right. home doing investment, renovating your home, buying a new car, going on vacation, whatever it is, you're mm -hmm. gonna spend it. Every penny past that dollar that you need in emergency funds should be invested in some way, form or fashion, either mm -hmm. through um, investments, real estate or life insurance. Mm -hmm. And if you're not doing those things, because those three things are the three number one, excuse me, those three things are the three top ways to create generational wealth. Yeah. So if you're not thinking about making your money work as hard as you're working, because what do we always say, right? We're not trying to work till we're 65, right? Everybody wants to retire early. 
But if your money isn't working, you're going to be working a lot longer than you really wanted to. And I think that's the key that people have to sit down and really think to themselves, like, how much money am I saving? When can I truly become financially free? Yeah. Financial freedom to me means when I have my money, do I control it first or somebody else control me, right? It's a good question. <laughs> right? So, that, so that's what financially free. So I don't know if we're going to touch upon that later on, but oh, yeah. know, that's, my, that's my thing, right? So yeah. for me, I'm financially free because one, I'm debt free. So when all my money comes in, I can decide where it goes. Mm-hmm. You know, the mortgage isn't telling me first off, I got to send you $3,000, right? The credit card for me is not telling me first off, I got to send you $500. The car note is not telling me first off, I got to send you $800. Mm-hmm. So when my money comes in, I can decide where it goes. I can put in my savings, I can put in investments, or I can blow it if I want to, right? Mm-hmm. So it's my personal economy. When I talk about personal economy, it's how does your money revolve around you, mm-hmm. right? How are you spending it? When you come in, can you pay yourself first or are you living paycheck to paycheck? That paycheck to paycheck lifestyle, I've been there years ago and it is We just, all have. It is just a cycle that I thought that I would never get out of. But okay. when you talked about the mindset, it does start there. You know, if I like I constantly thought about the negative parts around money all the time. Uh, but once I started to change my mind and think, you know what? I actually can start a new chapter, like change my story because I would meet other people who were that I perceived as, you know, experienced or well off or, or, you know, had some challenges that they pushed through. And I'm like, you know what, I could push through my own challenges too. I don't have to be, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, still living paycheck to paycheck. And if someone out there is, you don't have to stay there either. You know, it starts with, you know, evaluating your own situation. And when it comes to the investing, I think more people are seeing that there's no way around it. Like you can't just only save and that's it. You have to be investing your money in something for it to really grow. And I know me personally, I don't want to be 60 and feel like I have to work. (laughs) You know, if I'm doing something that I feel like makes me happy, you know, that's different. But I don't want to feel like I have to work to pay my bills and then stress about if I don't go to work, I don't get paid. And you're right. A lot of us are wanting to retire early. Um, And I know some people retire and then they just start like maybe a new journey doing something different, like a new career. Uh, Maybe they retire. Like I have a cousin who retired from the Ford plant in uh, Missouri, but she's doing other things. So it's not like she's just not doing nothing or working. But sometimes we just want to spend our time and money doing other stuff. And I feel like having money available gives you options to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So people think when, so I always tell people, I always try to get them to change how they think about the word retirement, right? So mm-hmm. retirement in itself means that you're no longer doing something for someone else, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have to think of it more as almost like an emancipation, right? Mm-hmm. How soon can you emancipate yourself from that lifestyle where you have to work for somebody, right? Yeah. So once you think of it that way, then you can really become retired at any age, right? Mm-hmm. If you have your own business and you can scale it to a point where you don't necessarily have to work for somebody and you can make money while you're sleeping, mm-hmm. then you're retired. Even though you go to, even though you go to work for yourself every day, yeah. you're actually retired, right? Because you're not working for, you're not dependent on someone else for income. So mm-hmm. that's what true retirement is, right? 
when people retire, right, they're not working anymore. They're not getting a paycheck specifically for 40 hours a week, yeah. right? So if you could, you can do that 25. Mm -hmm. But again, what's your mindset of money, right? Because if you're young, you may want to be a little bit flashy. You may want to do the things that's out there. You want to be seen, right? You want to get the girls, you know, you want, you want the guys to pay attention to you. Mm -hmm. But at some point you have to say, okay, how, how is that helping me, right? That people, the person that I'm chasing, that girl that I'm chasing, is she adding benefit to me, right? Are we building a union together where we can now make each other feel that we can be emancipated a lot earlier from that work lifestyle? So I yeah. think that's how people have to think about it. And I think, I think today more people want to think that. Mm -hmm. They want, they, everybody says, I want to retire early. I, I don't want to work. But then they're not doing the things that it takes, right? Because for me, I use the dreaded S word when I speak to all my clients. Can you, I want you to guess what the S word is that I'm talking I'm about. I'm sitting here thinking, okay, what is this S word? Give me a hint. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put pressure on you. It's sacrifice. Okay, okay. Sacrifice, right? So if you're willing to sacrifice, then you are gonna get everything that you want. Mm -hmm. To me is I always ask people, how long do you wanna sacrifice? Mm. All right, because it's not something that you have to. It's not something that you'll have to do for the rest of your life. Right. So the the limitations that you put on yourself on your amount of that you're willing to sacrifice will dictate how long you will have to sacrifice. I do agree with that. I don't remember what live I was listening to like months ago, but someone on there mentioned that they don't like the word sacrifice because they said. It, it, it puts like a negative space to feel like, oh, you have to go without in order to achieve certain things. But me personally, I remember I've had to, I did have to sacrifice some stuff in order to get ahead. You know, I couldn't, you know, eat out every day. Not saying that you have to never eat out because you can, you just have to, everyone's situation is different. But there were just certain things I knew I had to stop spending on or just temporarily in order for me to put money elsewhere and not just sacrificing spending, but like your time, like you have to take time working on this stuff. And if you spend time um, doing all these other things and you say, well, I don't have time to work on my budget or look at my credit or learn about investing. What do you mean you don't have time? Like, <laughs> it was just, <laughs> you was out Friday, Saturday and Sunday nights. Yeah. You can't yeah. spend one night a couple hours working on something. So I think more people realize sacrificing is so many different things depending on what you're trying to work towards. You can sacrifice time, money, energy. It could be all kinds of stuff. So we talk, we talk about time value of money, right? That's an economic financial um, um, statement, right? Time value of money. So yeah. I break it down to people to think about, okay, what value do you put on your time, right? Because then that's going to dictate how much money you make. Yeah. So when you sit there and say, I don't have time to do this, I don't have time to do that, but you do have time to go to somebody where they tell you that you get, that you can get paid $20 an hour. Right. But you don't have time to put your own value on yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. To say, I'm going to take those two hours, like you said, and I'm going to sit down and I'll go, okay, this is my income. This is my expenses. And these are the things that I want to do. Let me create a budget. Mm -hmm. right? When people hear budget, they, they, think it's, they think it's like this, this Herculean task of getting things done. No, a budget simply is what's my income, 
What are my expenses? And then what do I do with the discretionary, which is the difference between my income and expenses? Now, if your expenses over exceed your, your income, your budget is not balanced, right? Mm -hmm. So you need to figure out what can I sacrifice or what don't I need from these expenses now, right? Can I cancel my cable, right? I'm a cord cutter. It just, it just made sense for me, right? Like I'm not paying you $200 a month to watch five channels. It's never made sense to me, right? So I can, I can save money there, you know, the eating out thing. So I'll tell you, so for me, like when I, when I was working for somebody, when I was working in corporate, I'm a person of habit. Like I can create a habit like this and I can keep it going for God knows how long, right? Yeah. So for three straight years, I ate a turkey and cheese sandwich with a bag of chips every day for three years when I went to work for lunch wow. every single day for three straight years. So I don't tell people to do that for me. I mean, do that like me because I'm a different type of person. But mm -hmm. if you do the math, right, if you work in Manhattan in New York and you ate lunch and potentially dinner because you're overworking yourself for somebody mm -hmm. for five days a week, so that's 20 days out of a month for 52 weeks, that is going to cost you over $6,000 a year. And I related to people and I related to people to say $6,000 is a max you can put into a, a Roth or a traditional IRA. And you can have that money grow at a compounding rate of what the average mm -hmm. S&P over the last 30 years is a little over 11%. Mm -hmm. So yeah. your money can grow. So just doing that. So even if you did that half the time, I understand people don't like to eat the same thing every day. They want to change something new. They want to try a new restaurant. You know, we have Seamless, Uber Eats, DoorDash, all this stuff, convenience, right? So, but you have to say to yourself, well, right now I'm spending way too much money doing that, mm -hmm. right? So I need to cut it. So if I cut it in half, what else can I do with that $3,000 a year, mm -hmm. right? And then that can help me get to my goal of quickly being more emancipated from the uh, everyday workforce. Yes. And that word sacrifice, like, I think, you know, sometimes I'll hear, you know, clients or just people in general may say, you know, it's hard to make these changes, you know, like you mentioned, eating the same thing every day. But I know for me, I had to really think about, okay, like the last time I needed some money for something and I didn't have it, I didn't have no money saved. I didn't have anything invested. I didn't have no money to pull from anywhere. I just had to remember, how did that make me feel? Do I want to mm. keep feeling like that every single time I need something? Like the first time, like back in the day when I was real trifling with my money, <laughs> every time I, I used to be terrible with car maintenance. Like okay. I would literally wait until it's a huge problem. Just something simple as tires. Like if I had a, tire, a nail in my tire or tire blew out, I would go to the local corner tire place in the hood and give you $5, you pay $5, $10, you get like a used tire. And that's what I would always do. But it was one time where I needed, I really needed all four new tires. And the first time when I was able to purchase four new tires, I didn't feel stressed that I needed <laughs> tires. I didn't feel worried because I had the money in the past. I just always stressed about it because it was, I didn't have the money. And I'm like, I have to go get a pay. I had to go get payday loans at one point. I had to borrow that money. And we know how payday loans is just like one of the worst. Yeah. Ugh, I, yeah. It's, it's terrible. And, <laughs> but I didn't have any other options. So I felt stuck and I felt like, Oh, I don't have a choice. So, you know, when you're desperate, you just start making certain decisions that you probably wouldn't make. 
if you were not desperate or in a better financial position. So today I know I could buy four new tires if I needed it. And that's why I say, think about the last time you needed money and how it made you feel. And that should be at least some type of motivation to make some of those sacrifices, whether if it's long-term or short-term. I think people aren't honest with their emotional connection to money. Mm. What you spoke about right there is emotions. How did it made me feel, right? What's my feeling when I had to, when I could only get the $5 tire or I had to get, like you, when I first got my, when I got my first car, I'd get a hold of my tire, I'd go to the local guy and get it, you know, filled, right? Yeah. Patched, right? So that's, you know, 10, 15 dollars. But then, you know, that's, the, that's temporary, temporary fix. So you'll be right back there in a week or two weeks. So now you're saying to yourself, well, I could have just spent $200 on a tire, but I don't have it, right? How do yeah. I feel about that? Right. So now moving forward, I'm going to do everything in my can in my power so that when my tire blows out, I can just go buy a new tire if I need to. Mm-hmm. Right. And then now I don't have that stress. So the lack of honesty, the lack of self-reflection to say, how am I feeling right now in my situation? Am I happy with my relationship with money? Mm-hmm. Am I happy with my relationship with uh, the stress level that money makes for me? Because like you said, you used to live paycheck to paycheck. I think we all have. Right. It's a stressful time yeah. because what COVID has shown people, mm. what it's still showing people is that job that you think is secure can be taken from you all the time. Prior to COVID, people thought the only way they can lose a job, they did something wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> but no, right. The company can go out of business. Yeah. There could be a lack of customers to create revenue for that business. And now they have to let people go. Mm-hmm. I hope that people took that time and they looked at it. If you had a job still, be thankful. If yeah. you didn't have a job still, you found another job, be thankful. If yeah. you still are not without work, are you still without a job? You should still be thankful because you're alive, but you have to say to yourself, okay, if this happens again, where am I going to be? Right? Am I still going to be scrambling and hoping that somebody hires me? Or yeah. can I go and I say, I have my six months expenses. I have my year's expenses, right? Mm-hmm. For me personally, in my, in my savings, I have three years of expenses. I love that. So literally I cannot make another dollar for the next yeah. three years and I would still be able to live the same lifestyle I live today. Right? Yeah. And that's freedom, right? So I think that's what people need. They need to be honest mm-hmm. with their connection to money. And once that happens, all the other stuff will just go, all the other stuff that will become useless to you. It will become mm-hmm. unnecessary. Because you will still be able to have fun. You'll still be able to enjoy your life, Mm -hmm. right? You know, going on a vacation to post pictures on Instagram, you know, every other week is not, because my thing is, right, people, I know people who take way more vacations than me, right? It's not that I don't like vacations, right? It's not that I don't like to be on a beach or be somewhere exciting. Yeah. What I don't like is to be on a vacation and not wanting to come home because there's going to be bills in my mailbox. That's what I don't like, right? So how how fulfilling or how relaxing was that vacation? If the whole time when it got closer to the end, you're like, oh, I gotta go home. <laughs> There's bills on the table, and now you're home, and the bills are here. You forgot about all the relaxing time you had that that the prior week. That's out yep. the window because you're back to the stresses. Mm. So remove the stresses, mm-hmm. and then now you can celebrate more of your wins. Oh, that's so important because. 
you know how sometimes we talk about, you know, we we don't like we hate Mondays, you know, yeah. Friday. And it's like the same like with the vacations. People are trying to take a break, a trip away from, you know, everyday life, you know. But like you say, you come back home and you deal with the same stuff. Like, don't you want to have some some sort of level of peace uh, and happiness at home and still enjoy vacation too? And sure. just like you said, I think it does start with thinking about the emotions with money. And I know I've learned that people um, are trying to be more comfortable with talking about money. I know it's kind of, you know, a personal topic and be very intimate. And I know me, I personally used to isolate myself. Like I didn't talk to anybody mm-hmm. because for one, I didn't want people to know I was struggling. I didn't, I thought people would judge me. I was mm-hmm. worried about what people would think, what they would mm-hmm. say. I felt like I was at my age. I felt like I should have known better. Um, just, I had all these whole lists of what I should have <laughs> could have done, all of that. But then I realized, you know what? I, I don't need to keep mentally, like internally attacking myself because that's not helping because I'm just sitting here feeling sorry for myself, not doing anything. But it was when I started to hear other people share their stories. And I was like, I would just be blown away. Like, wow, you know, now I see me isolating myself is, is not the answer. Because clearly this is not making me feel better. It's making yeah. me feel worse. <laughs> so I started to open up and talk to people. Not that I'm saying people have to tell everybody all your business, but you should find someone, whether if it's a kind of professional like you or someone that's a close friend, like you have to get it out and talk to somebody. But there is a point where you do have to hire a professional to help you because sometimes your friend can be somebody to vent to but they may not be able to help you and give you some good advice yeah. on your money situation. So that's something else that I learned that, hey, I can't do it by myself. And a professional is going to be needed, like at different levels of your financial journey. What I hear from when you say that is that you realize that you are normal. I think what people, when they go through money struggles, for some, for some reason, they feel abnormal. Like they're the only person that's ever going through money struggles. Yeah. And they get embarrassed. So they don't want to speak to anybody. They don't speak to their family. They don't speak to their friends. We have a huge problem in our community of us not being open and honest mm. about anything involving our mental health. Mm. And money comes part of that mental health, right? Mm-hmm. So once you were able to open up, you realize that you are not abnormal and it became easier for you. Mm-hmm. And then now you were able to transition out of that. And yes, you do need someone to speak to. It can be your spouse, it can be your mom, it can be your uncle, it can be a friend, or it can be a paid professional, right? But you have to speak to somebody because you cannot fight battles by yourself. Mm-mm. No war is won by one man, right? Nope. So you need, you, need to, you need people on your team to win the battle. Mm-hmm. And what I feel like once you realize that, now, now look at you, right? You, you can look back at it and I'm like, why, why was I so afraid, right? <laughs> I asked myself that question just... Well, just I had that thought like, Cleo, what were you thinking? Like, just imagine if you did not, you know, take that step forward to actually start talking to someone and start getting help and actually sharing my own journey. Like it was Mm -hmm. at one point where I wouldn't dare share the stuff that I had been through. But now that I feel, you know, delivered and I'm not ashamed, (laughs) embarrassed, you know, I just want other people to learn from my experiences because I used to be at certain points and I felt hopeless. But it wasn't until I opened up and started talking to someone, actually hiring someone. Because, of course, we can do some self-taught stuff. Right? We can watch 
videos and posts on social media. We can go to YouTube. We can read books. But there is going to be a point in time when you actually do need to pay a professional to help you. And what I've learned is that even the most successful people, wealthiest people, they still have coaches and therapists and advisors and yes. they still pay people to help them. It's not like they've made it here and they feel like, you know what, I'm good. I don't really need no help from anybody else. No, they continuously invest in themselves. And that's what I continue to do. And I encourage other people to do the same. It's not like we reach a level and we stop, like we're forever learning and growing. And I'm sure you can agree that in the financial world, stuff is changing all the time. <laughs> Listen, just just these past two years between the, the, the change in president, mm. um, things have changed, right? IRS code tax changes have changed. Mm. Um, style, the, the way retirement accounts are viewed by the U.S. government has changed. So for you as an individual who is running their own business or working in a factory like a Ford plant, like you talked about with your family member, yeah, when are you going to have time to sit down and, and really hash out what the changes to the tax code are for 2021. You're not going to have that. Mm -hmm. So having a professional on your side who understands those things, mm -hmm. I don't know. I, there's no value you can put on it, right? Because now you're doing two times the work with the same time, right? The same 24 hours in a day, but you're doing two different things with that time. And I think that's where the, that's where sitting down with somebody, but I tell people, find the person that you fit with. Don't just go for the first, just because this person says they're a financial advisor, don't just go to them, right? They got to fit with you. They have to understand where you are today and understand how to get you to the next place, right? They have to have game plans for people in your situation, right? Not just people who are wealthy already, right? Right. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's important. I'm glad you mentioned that because I think sometimes people forget that they may have to talk with, have some interviews or talking with a few different professionals before yes. you people, and kind of like with a therapist mm -hmm. you may not mesh well with the first one and I know it can be kind of time consuming sometimes but you want to make sure you're the right fit and they actually are familiar with stuff that's going on in your lifestyle like if you are a business owner or even if you're an employee or a little bit of both like do they have have they have experience working with your type of lifestyle, right. they, you know, the type of work exactly. that you do, are they familiar with that type of work? Um, but I know for me, that's something that I had to realize too, is that, you know, just because you have that first consultation, it doesn't mean that that may be the best fit. And that's okay, because I think the goal is on both ends. You want to make sure you have clients that you would want to work with too, and vice versa. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So I would love to know out of all your money decisions, what do you feel is one that was the biggest lesson learned, like something that you may regret, if any? <laughs> so when I first started working, so I first started at Chase, like I told you guys, I first started working at Chase Bank in 2006. Mm -hmm. By 2010, I left the bank because I said I fell in love with investing at that point. And I said, I want to be a financial advisor, right? I don't just want to work at a bank. So I left and I went to Wall Street and I became a stockbroker. Mm -hmm. I became a stockbroker around one of the worst times to ever become a stockbroker, right? Post-2008. Nobody trusted any advisors. Everybody thought advisors stole people's money, right? So, but I wanted to do it, right? I wanted to actually take the punches and build my, my resume so I can go and help people. So when I was on Wall Street, I got my licenses and I started trading. And I thought I was 
wolf of Wall Street, right? I thought, oh, I know everything about investing already. So um, my, the one thing I, I, I regret is that I, I owned particular stocks that I end up selling that would have greatly increased the value of my portfolio now, right? Because I felt like I knew everything. So I actually sold an investment that was doing very well. And if I, and I still look at it today as a reminder to myself, right? That if I had it, this is where my account would be to buy something else where I lost majority of the money, Yeah. right? So I tell people that, and I say that to say, I'm open to making mistakes as well. Mm-hmm. Nobody's perfect. If you're going into an investment world, if you're going into any investment, real estate, you know, stocks, crypto, you know, any of those things, and you think the market only goes up and you can, and you're some trading genius and more so than people who are licensed, yeah. you're going to, you're going to get a rude awakening. Right. Mm-hmm. But even with that, losses are part of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Nobody just wins. If you, if, if there's an advisor out there that tells you that guy only makes money, things only go up, he never has any losses, do not hire that person, right? <laughs> because he's lying, right? But losses are part of it, right? Yeah. So for me, what does a loss mean? Um, to me, it means a lesson, right? There's something mm-hmm. you're going to learn from it, right? So when, as advisors, when, we, when the market goes down, what we consider is we consider things on sale, mm-hmm. right? So if the company a week ago was one of the top companies and then the economy had a change and now the company's stock is plummeting, you stop to look at the company, right? Mm-hmm. Don't get enamored by the price, right? The stock price, right? Cause it's not, it's not even a real, it's not even a realistic number, right? <laughs> so don't get enamored by it. Don't feel upset about the loss and go back and look at why you invested in that company in the first place. Yeah. And if those things still stand true, buy more. Mm-hmm. buy more so again i'm gonna touch on nike so when the pandemic happened nike dropped to 80 dollars. <laughs> that was like the lowest number i saw nike for like the past five years <laughs> so you know what i did i immediately went and bought more and <laughs> nike today is trading at 137 dollars. Mm-hmm. so you know you can sit back and just get upset you can sit back and look at it and go oh my god the market's down it's crazy i'm losing money or you can say how do I take this, this, this situation and make it a benefit to myself? Because yeah. I always tell people the market will come back because it's always come back. If you look at, if you look at the history of the stock market, you can go back to 1900. The mm-hmm. slope of the market is always positive, always positive. Over time, though, you get ups and downs and you may have a down like this 2008. But if you look, but I tell people, if you really still think about 2008, you need to look at the market from 2009 until 2019. If you're still thinking about 2008, that time is long gone. It's mm-hmm. already ended, right? So mm-hmm. if you were sitting there still over the course of 2009, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, talking about, oh, the market took a dip in 2008 and you didn't invest in the market, then you didn't, then you didn't make any money, right? And, and you're just a, a negative Nancy. <laughs> I totally agree. Just like when the shutdowns first happened in 2020 last year in certain companies, a lot of them were going down, especially like with, you know, airlines and, you know, hospitality. It's like, this is temporary, you know, yeah. some of these companies, yeah, I know there are some companies that closed and, but there are a lot of companies, you know, once people are starting to travel again, you know, it's going to start going back up. And I have a friend that literally just started investing 
before the shutdowns happened. And as soon as everything started going down, he was like, I'm going to take my money out. I'm like, look, <laughs> we discussed this. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, you know, people can make whatever decision they feel is best for sure. them. But I think I tried to, you know, mention how, you know, when you watch the news and you look at the media, like a lot of these uh, decisions that are being made, like you don't have to panic and just take all your, just cash out everything. Like you don't need to do that. Just breathe. <laughs> take a moment and just start doing your own research like don't just watch all the negative news still do your other follow-ups in other areas to see is this a company I should still continue investing in because I think people get so caught up in the the dramatics that's on social media <laughs> and you know it's good to tune in but um I tell you know people like you have to do more than just watch Facebook and Instagram yes. of people talk about certain stuff. Cause some people legit know what they're talking about. And some people just be saying all kinds of stuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, no, I, I a hundred percent know what you're talking about. So many but more me, new stock experts. <laughs> well, the, listen, the pandemic has bred a lot more experts or advisors over this, over this time. So yes. but just like your friend, I would have told, I would have told him, Something from the understanding is when you're looking at your portfolio, mm-hmm. most of your gains are unrealized, right? Yeah. Until you take the money out of your account, that that's unrealized, right? Mm-hmm. So the losses are unrealized as well. If you take your money out when it's down, what you have created is a realization of the loss, right? Yeah. So you could have sat back and, you know, from March, you know, from January to March, the market was down 30%. Mm-hmm. from March until April, it was up 30%, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So it's a real quick swing, right? So you could have just bought things at a, at a cheaper price or bought more of the same thing that you're invested in. Mm-hmm. Because one question you have to ask yourself as an investor is, yeah, is this something where people are going to be spending money again? So if we look at the, the reopening plays, as we call it, right? The travel, mm-hmm. stay-at-home things, things of that nature, if you're looking at, do you think Carnival Cruise Lines will never be in business again? Do you think JetBlue is not going to take flights again? Delta, you know, all these things. So that's the question you have to ask yourself. Yeah. Where's the business going to be next year? Mm-hmm. So when the economy takes a dip, you know, do you think people are never going to spend money again? Right. Right. When 2008 happened, it was a housing crisis. Mm-hmm. It was actually something that you'd never really seen before. It was like a perfect storm. Like everything was down at the same time. Stocks, bonds, and real estate. Why? Because people were looking at it. Well, the the banks are heavily in bonds, right? So that hurt the bonds. Mm -hmm. Stocks, there's different mortgage companies or mortgage-backed securities or REITs or things of that nature that were taking major hits. Mm -hmm. And then real estate, a lot of foreclosures, right? Mm -hmm. So when you go back and say, okay, well, why is that happening is because even if you were a person who had money in their bank account, had their job, was secure, and they can pay their mortgage, yeah. you still kept the money that you're going to do for remodeling or buying mm-hmm. a new purchase or mm-hmm. just doing something else. So what happens there? When everybody keeps their money in their pocket, businesses don't make money, right? Yeah. Lumber, um, um, labor, things of that nature is not happening, right? Yeah. So everything went down together. Mm-hmm. As soon as the government made people feel secure again, dropped rates where people feel like they can go get mortgages. Mm-hmm. Um, certain banks got out of the mortgage-backed security situation, right? The mm-hmm. foreclosure numbers came down, right? Because mm-hmm. banks don't actually want to do foreclosures 
and she cost them way more money, right? Once that cleared up, in 2009, the market was up 27%. In 2010, the market was up 17%. In 2013, the market was up 31%. And in 2019, the market was up 31%, right? You have major upswings like that, right? So you've recouped the losses that were unrealized at the time. And if you were retiring after that, or you decided that you needed some of that money to go do something, you have now realized that you have now realized a profit because mm-hmm. you remained in that, right? The people who it really hurt. So here's a trick, right? The thing that it really hurt in 2008 were people who were retiring in 2008, mm. right? Because they need to take their money, regardless of what's going on in the market. They were retiring in 2008 and they need their money, right? But the market was down 45%. Mm-hmm. The real trick there is, right? When, you're, when you have an advisor, you need an advisor to have a game plan for you for even when you're not thinking about that part of the game plan, mm. right? So back in 2006, the mistake made was that advisors weren't telling their clients to become more conservative inside of their retirement vehicles mm. to get prepared for 2008, right? Mm. Would you still have lost money in 2008 even if you had got conservative? Yes, because like I told you, everything was down. But instead of losing 45%, you might have lost 5%, right? Which is something that more people are much more easier to eat, right? It's like, oh, okay, 5%, not a big deal. But, yeah. you know, I avoided a 45% hit, so 5% is cool with me, right? That's yeah. how people think. And I think that's the problem. When, we, when we're talking about advisors, what's their game plan for you, right? Mm-hmm. Are they just taking your money and putting it in this fund that you know their bank tells them that you should invest in that's charging a sales charge yeah. or are they really going out there and finding you investments that suit you personally as an individual right yeah. because there's about 133,000 different mutual funds on the stock market mm-hmm. right and then uh, probably another 80,000 ETFs mm-hmm. and then countless amounts of companies who trade on the stock market yeah you need somebody that's going to be able to decipher all that information and say well, Cleo is this type of person and she has a game plan for 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. What am I putting in her money for today so that when 20 years co- becomes realized, this money will be more than what we have it as today. As yeah. opposed to saying, no, give me your money, Cleo, and I'm going to charge you 5% of your money. And then 20 years from now, we'll cross our fingers and see if it's good because I didn't really do any real homework on what I should invest your money in. Yeah. And I'm so glad you broke that down because when people are out there looking for an advisor, sometimes they don't really know what they're looking for and that that an advisor should do that, should personalize it instead of giving you a cookie cutter plan. Like, no, you your advisor should be getting as much as detail as possible so they can craft that plan for you. So I'm definitely excited and happy that that is something that you do. It can help other people get to that lifestyle yes. they really want to live. So I know with your business, Fortune Advisory Services, so what inspired you? And I know you kind of touched on it a little bit, but what truly inspired you to start that business? And what do you love most about it? So going back to my story about stockbroking, right? So I, I was on Wall Street for two years, right? Didn't like it. It was crazy. <laughs> it, it wasn't that I was successful. It was weird, right? Because okay. you would be on the phone and you call somebody in Utah, don't know them, and they would send you a million dollars just on an idea that you told them over the phone. 
it's kind of mm-hmm. like Monopoly. It was weird because, and I didn't, I never met these people face to face. Video calling wasn't a major thing back then. So you never really saw that. So mm-hmm. I said to myself, like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not happy doing this. Yeah. I'm happy with the information I'm providing, but I'm not happy doing it this way. Yeah. So I wanted to go back to a bank. Mm-hmm. So two years being on Wall, on Wall Street, I went to a bank and I managed six different branches for advisory. Mm-hmm. It was people of color in Brooklyn, six neighborhoods in Brooklyn. Okay. Um, speaking to people, getting them to understand the difference between having your money in a bank account mm-hmm. and then investing your money and having it grow. Right. Mm-hmm. And I felt oh, I'm getting so much. Um, I'm getting so much recognition for it. I'm getting so many good responses from it. Right. Yeah. But the bank wasn't giving me the good responses. Mm-hmm. The bank was like, well, you know, is this person going to invest more money? And mm-hmm. I'm like, no, they already gave me three fourths of their hard earned savings. Right. So they had 100. They gave me 75. I convinced them to give me 75 because I taught them that this is the way that you're going to grow your money. Mm-hmm. So obviously when you give somebody that style of money, they will call you on a regular basis. They will come to the bank because they know where you are, right? Just, mm-hmm. just a chit chat and to make sure that their money is safe. Right. The bank didn't like that you spend time, what they call coddling people, mm-hmm. right? And I didn't view it as coddling. I'm like, I just took $75,000 $75, and I put it in the stock market. They need to be able to sleep at night. Right. Mm -hmm. So they're going to call me because they were probably up thinking about that at night. Mm -hmm. So time goes on. There's more of that, more of that. I got tired of it. So I said, okay, I could continue doing something where I make good money doing it, but I'm not really happy. Mm -hmm. Or I can move on. I can do it for myself. Mm -hmm. That's what I did. I ended up leaving the the bank and doing the work on my own. The same things I was doing in the bank, same investment plans, same custodian, right? Mm-hmm. Same ideas, right? But yeah. I'm focused now on leading it with financial literacy. Mm. So when I sit down with a client, right? The portfolio picking and the, and the type of IRA account, that's like a five minute conversation. Yeah. The other 55 minutes in that hour that I'm taking with them, I'm speaking about them and understanding where their money mindset is and what do they truly know about investing or budgeting or money management, any of that, right? And I lead with that. I -hmm. train people how to become a, how to trade stocks. Mm -hmm. I train people how to develop their retirement plan. I train people to understand what is your 401k really, right? (laughs) Right? Nobody knows what their 401k is. Everybody is the same way, right? And, but the funny thing is nobody knows what their 401k is, but all 401ks are kind of almost like the same. Yeah. Whenever I'm rolling over somebody's 401k, I don't even ask them to send me the statement anymore because I pretty much know what it's in there is. Okay. It's in a target fund or <laughs> it is inside of a money market account, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because inside of a 401k, there's no advisor for that. Though it's at an investment advisory firm, right? Fidelity, Voya, Prudential, Principal, whatever it is. Yeah. Your money is there inside of a 401k, but you don't have a dedicated advisor mm-hmm. because it's self-directed. Yeah. It's a self-directed employer-sponsored plan, right? Yeah. It's employer-sponsored. Mm-hmm. It's not an employer plan, right? It's employer-sponsored, <laughs> meaning they sponsor you to have the ability to right. put your money inside this plan and you can invest it within the limitations of that 401k plan. Mm-hmm. So I go, okay. So you left the job. You have your old 401k. Where are we taking that now and putting it? 
where you have more control over it, right? So that when you borrow, when you take money from, you're not borrowing it. You're not paying a tax. You're not paying this much taxes, or you're not paying this much penalty, Mm -hmm. right? You're not paying interest to pay it back. Yeah. So that's what really led me to do it. So if you look at my website, or if you look at the bio I sent everybody, I speak about the financial literacy impact first. Yeah. I you won't find anywhere on my website or any other podcasts I've been on or any other videos I've been on speaking to people specifically about trading stocks and you could become a, a millionaire trading Bitcoin. That's not how I speak. Right? <laughs> I yeah. speak about things that people can get so that I so that for me, when I tell them, eventually you don't need me anymore. I actually need it. Mm-hmm. Right. Because yeah. working on me should be your choice. Yeah. It shouldn't be a necessity. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's the problem with our community is that we don't have the knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. So going back even a little bit further, my father has has had investment accounts, insurance and all that stuff for decades. Yeah. My father has never had one conversation with me about investing. Wow. My entire (laughs) life. I'm 39 now, my entire life. We've never had a conversation about investing. Yeah. And, And that's a natural thing for people. They can hark on it in their own experience because their parents haven't spoken to them about it, but their parents have those type of things. And I always say to myself, I was like, well, why wouldn't you have that conversation with your child? Yeah. I look at my son now and yes, I want to be able to leave him assets, but I also want him to be able to manage those assets, mm-hmm. not just blow it. What's the worst thing that could happen to you, right? You work 60, 70 years <laughs> yeah. and then you leave your family X amount of dollars and that dollars is going in 60 days. Yep. You did something wrong. If my son, by the time he is living on his own, doesn't know how to manage money, I did something wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And I always say my, 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 my credo is by the time I'm gone and my business is over, if I've helped 1% of the community, then I've done my job. Mm-hmm. And I think, and so that's what powers me every day is to keep pushing people forward so that they can feel yeah. comfortable investing because it's the one of the major ways to create generational wealth, right? But mm-hmm. I also help people understand this, you know, what's really um, involved in you purchasing your first home? Yeah. Right? What's mm-hmm. really involved in you owning a property, right? Mm-hmm. Being a landlord, right? Getting rents, yeah. right? And then what's also important is life insurance. Mm-hmm. You know? Is your life insurance plan structured properly and efficiently, mm-hmm. right? Most people's insurance plan, it's either going to be a term policy or it's a whole life policy where 90% of the money that you're paying goes to insurance costs. Mm -hmm. That's the wrong way of doing insurance. Yeah. I create insurance plans where, you know, max efficiency is 90% of the money that you're paying goes to cash value. Mm -hmm. Right. Because what people really don't understand is when it comes to death benefit, if you are flooding or max funding your insurance policy, you create a higher death benefit anyway. So yeah. you could choose to pay for the million dollars today and mm-hmm. send all your money towards the, towards the cost. Or you can buy, you know, 200 and then it'd be a million dollars by the time you retire because you're able to put the money inside the cash out and let it grow, mm-hmm. right? That's what we call efficiency, right? A term policy is never efficient. Mm-hmm. To me, term policy is, should only be used for two things. If you just really don't have the money to purchase life insurance today, but you need coverage, I say buy term. Mm-hmm. But you have to find a term that allows you to convert it to permanent insurance. Or 
you're at a time where you you you're just in a situation either through a job or where you're living where um <laughs> the dangers are just higher right so you just need more insurance right so you know i'm i'm working on a high-rise building mm-hmm. right? i'm my, my my company's sending me overseas to another country with some turmoil because i'm a government official right so i want to make sure i'm able to leave a larger amount of money over the next five years for my wife because i'm going to be away and going to be in danger right mm-hmm. and when i come home i can cancel that policy because it's not a big deal right and the cost is just eaten and called it a day so that's really how you have to think about it so mm-hmm. when we talk about financial literacy it's not you know how to create a budget it's not you know what are you doing with a savings account a checking account no we're talking about how do you understand money and mm-hmm. all of the benefits it creates for you because at the end of the day money is a tool mm-hmm. it's a tool for you to create the life that you want mm-hmm. right so if i'm coming in as your advisor and i'm taking tools away from you or i'm limiting your access to those tools mm-hmm. you're then how, what am i doing right i'm not helping you at all <laughs> yeah that is so true and i'm glad that you you know, you share how important it is. It's like different areas. It's like you said, it's not just the budget and the savings account. It's so many different areas of your life. That's why you have to dedicate that time to speaking with someone about it. That's a professional that can help guide you on this journey. Because for me personally, when I was years ago in my journey, like just thinking about all these different areas was just overwhelming to the point. I'm like, (laughs) maybe I'll do it next week, maybe next month. Then you next, next thing you know, a year has passed by and done nothing. So you do have to, instead of feeling like, oh, I have to figure this out alone, it's going to be beneficial for you to speak with a professional about it. Because like you could ask me or someone those questions to help them make certain decisions that you probably, they probably wouldn't even think to even think about. Like you mentioned so many things just right now that there are some people out there was like, I didn't even think, I, think about yeah. addressing that area. So yeah. But you don't know that until you start talking with a professional that can throw those real good deep questions at you so it can get you to thinking about how you really want your lifestyle to be, not just for you, but for your family too. And I like that you mentioned that, you know, as a community, you want to see us all do better as a community and not just, you know, yourself or just individually. So I love that you are putting all that knowledge out there and just helping us elevate in our Black community too, because we need more people like you. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, society is, is basically an efficient community. Mm-hmm. So right now in America, we don't have a society, right? We have a situation where people take advantage of each other for whatever reason, right? Yeah. So when you're talking about, you know, what we're doing for the benefit of society, I feel like just because I, I'm not a millionaire doesn't mean that the other person shouldn't be a millionaire. And because he's a millionaire and I'm not, he should give me money, Right. That's not an efficient society, right? An efficient society is I helped that guy become a millionaire. Now he's taken his millions of dollars and he's then helped other people become successful as well, right? And we continue passing it on. Not, well, I've helped him. So now he sits there with his million dollars to himself and he doesn't help anybody else, right? (laughs) That's not an efficient society. So I think, but I think for us, Mm -hmm. we have to put ourselves first because all the other communities have put themselves first at the detriment to us, right? We have helped every single other community in the United States become better. 
-hmm. And not one other community has ever helped us. Not one. All right. So obviously things are happening in this country to black people, to Asians and Island and, and Pacific Islanders, things of that nature, right? Mm -hmm. I never want anything to go wrong for anybody, no matter just because they are their gender or mm -hmm. who they um, um, consider themselves as or their color. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we have to stop helping everybody else and we have to help ourselves. So, you know, it's, it's a big push, um, you know, buying black, staying black, having black people on your team. That's all important. But if you say it, you have to do it. You have to go out there and help people of color, whichever way, shape or form. Doesn't mean making, you know, doesn't mean taking all your money and giving to somebody else or helping somebody else become successful. It could be something simple, right? The stuff that you're doing, telling them, telling people your story is going to help people. Me telling people my story is going to help people. And whatever they do with that information is up to them. And if they can, and if they can become successful in even in small successes, like I said, celebrate your wins, yeah. right? If you can be successful, then tell other people how you became successful. I listen to Clio Finance. I listen to Robert Fortune or whoever else they're listening to yeah. and pass that and keep passing it along, passing it along, pass, pay it forward. Oh, yes. Yes. The pay it forward is a big one. I feel like it'll just grow and other people will be more willing and excited to help the next person. Yes. Because we've all received some help from somebody somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why I like to pay it forward as well, because I feel like I, I someone helped me with something, you know, yes. people, help, people help me with different things just over the years. But like you said, I do believe that's something that we need to do more of that way we all can elevate because we, I feel like we all have the experience, the knowledge, like we can do it. You know, I think it starts with going back to what you said at the beginning, the money mindset, you know, our mind, we got to start thinking, speaking differently about money, even if we don't know about certain things, but you still have to put yourself out there and learn, be willing to right. learn, be open to learning new ways, especially if what you've been doing over the last few years hasn't been working, <laughs> try some new things. There's just so right. many ways to do different things. So I think it's important to hear you talk about that so other people can put some time in their calendar this week so they can actually sit down and just start evaluating some things and see what the next step they need to take. So I love 100%. it. 100%. Yes. So we're going to have a quick favorites round. So we okay. want to know a little bit more about you. So I'm just going to ask, what is your favorite? And I always start with food because who doesn't love food? So I love to know what people like to eat. So what's one of the, what's one of your favorite foods? So for me, like, you know, I can't pick one thing because I am, I am an internal foodie, right? Eternal, like I eat. So, but for me, my favorite food is Haitian food. Well, I'm Haitian, so I grew up that way, right? But yeah. it's almost everything. Like if you tell me a Haitian made it, I'm going to eat it, right? And I'm going to be excited to eat it. So that's my favorite food. Haitian. Mm. I have not tried Haitian food yet. Oh, so you've been missing out. I need to try some meals and some dishes. I'm going to have to get some specific recommendations of things to try as a first timer. Oh, oh, I got you. Thank you. I'm, I'm going to be following up on it now. I'm like, look, two, three dishes I could try. Um, but what is your favorite movie, if you have one? Um, damn, what's my, favorite, my favorite movie is Dirty Dancing. Dirty. That's a good one. Yeah. That is a, that's a good classic too. I can, I can watch Dirty Dancing every single time it comes on. 
Uh-huh. Yes, me too. I love it. And I love to dance. So I can watch that all the time. So what is the favorite? Well, a place that you've already traveled to, what's your favorite? And what's a place that you haven't been to yet that you're looking forward to visiting? So a place that I've been to that's my favorite, right? Um, Turks and Caicos. Mm. I love Turks and Caicos. Beautiful place. Yeah. Where I want to go, I want to visit just all of Africa. I haven't been able to visit there yet. Just I want to go to the, I want to visit all of the entire continent. Because it's just beauty. And the stuff that they tell you in the mainstream media about Africa is not, is not correct at all. Right? It's a beautiful place. It's, it's not third world, right? And I think, I think we have, we, especially we as a people, we have to go back there and, and see it for ourselves. Yes, that is so true. I love that you said all of Africa. You didn't <laughs> say one place, just, no. just the whole thing. The, whole the entire continent I want to see. <laughs> make that list, like the journey over the, over the years, like mm -hmm. on your list. So I love that because I'm down with that too. <laughs> So what is your favorite app like that's at the top of your list that you're using right now? Um, it doesn't have to be a financial app. It could be anything. Um, it's Instagram <laughs> because I'm a people watcher. Like I like watching people. Like I am, I'm a, I'm like a self-made like psychologist. So I like to just watch people and see how, how they maneuver, especially people that you know. So yeah. seeing them in a real life and then seeing them on their social media that's like interesting to me. And I, I feel like later on in the years, it's going to be like a case study within major universities. And, and some universities already is a case study. Yeah. But it's just the psychology of how people view social media and how it is partly like a drug. That is so true. <laughs> I when you said drug, I literally had this meme in my mind. It was out like a few years ago, but it was basically just like a cartoon meme of someone um it's like they were sniffing drugs through their uh -huh. nose, but it was um instagram likes yeah Twitter, it was uh facebook likes it was just like all the different apps and like yeah, yeah it's a drug because they've, what do most of us do we wake up and we start scrolling <laughs> they've done research that showed the brain levels and like dopamine and the different chemicals in the brain mm -hmm. of how the the more likes you get on something that you posted the brain releases those same kind of chemicals similar to cocaine wow <laughs> it's nuts crazy <laughs> it's, it is crazy it is crazy but it, that's but that's so interesting yeah it's so interesting how people are and i've always been like a people watcher since i was young i've just <laughs> always been interested in it. i should have taken psychology when i was in college because mm -hmm. because I took like one psychology course but it was like my fit it's, it's still like maybe my top three favorite course that I took in college yeah that's a good class I, I should have took that too because especially when you're working in money like that's something that you want to be more aware of, aware of. and I feel like with that study like what you just explained that kind of makes sense because people get a high or get yeah. off on the, the light and yeah. you know and but, people feel a certain way we don't get any likes <laughs> but it's the same thing with your portfolio as your money grows inside your investment yeah. you want to see that continue so you need yeah. that fix you need that high to continue to happen right and then when yes. it goes down it's like it's like you're going through withdrawals mm. so, so that's how the brain works like yeah. if there's things that you are really excited about it will produce certain chemicals to keep yeah. you feeling good about it right 
Oh, that's so true. Oh, that was a good one. See, I'm going to have to share that with my daughter. <laughs> she's 17. So, you know, they're just all on all the things. Oh, yeah. She's, yeah. Wow. It's good for them to be aware of stuff like that. Yes. Um, and the last one here is $500,000. So I want to know if you had $500,000 right now, what is the first three things that you would do? Um, first three things I would do. Um, it's not a lot of money. This is true. Oh, it's not a lot of Years money. Years okay. ago, I would be like, oh, I'm rich for life. I'm set for life. But we clearly know that can go real quick. <laughs> I, would, I would probably take a portion of that money and use it to build a small real estate portfolio outside of New York, right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm here in New York and the costs are way too high. But outside New York, a small real estate portfolio there. And then maybe the rest of the money still taken in and invested in the stock market and some of the things I've already been doing, but in, in a larger holding. Okay, cool. Was that three? Yeah, it was three, right? Mm -hmm. I love it. And I've never lived in New York, but I visited New York and I was like, I'm not sure if I could ever live there. <laughs> not, not because of the city life, but I was just like, oh my goodness. Like, this is how much yes. this amount of space costs, even with the yes. hotels. Like, you know, I just stayed in a, a regular hotel, I was staying in a different city, but the room was so small. And I said, is it just this hotel or is it just like this in New York where spaces are just- All of them. Small. You know? <laughs> I was like, this is real tight, like a closet. Yeah. <laughs> but um, definitely a place that I do want to visit more of. And my daughter, she was with me when we went to go visit and she said, I don't know if I want to live here because everyone is so mean and have an attitude. And I said, there's lots of nice people in New York. <laughs> So just she's, different, different. She's right, though. She's yeah, right, that's though. true. I guess when but you compare it to other cities. When you live here, you don't really notice it. But yeah, everybody's here. Is, they're, 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 we're not, New York is particularly not nice. <laughs> we're not nice people. Right. Not nice and friendly. Like when you're just something simple as walking down the street. You oh, know, man. in some areas, people are like, hey, how you doing? And wave. Like, people will bump into you and keep walking. <laughs> yeah, if, you don't, if you don't pay attention, they'll run you over with their car. This is true. Okay, so I have two more left really quick. So okay. I have financial affirmation cards. So okay. what I do is I just pull a random one and I'll read it to you and you just tell me how it makes you feel or how it relates to your own journey. All right. Your financial affirmation is, I am grateful for my financial progress. Yeah. No, that that speaks to me right mm -hmm. so i so gratefulness is something that people need to uh produce more of right they need to showcase that mm -hmm. right so it's funny when when everybody when when everybody asks me you know how am i doing right mm -hmm. and you know or how's your day i go well i'm alive right and yeah. people take it as a joke but it's just that i'm grateful that each day i can wake up and I can be here and I can continue on my journey. Mm -hmm. So I am grateful for everything that I have right now financially, right? Yeah. Um, and I think when you become grateful, you don't sit back and um, feel like you need to want more, right? You, mm -hmm. don't feel like, you don't feel like you're as successful. Yeah. Once you're grateful, you realize, okay, this is the place I am now and I'm in a very good place. Mm -hmm. Now I can work towards being another place. 
as yeah. opposed to sitting there and saying, I wish I was at this place. It's yeah. different. You see how you use words? Mm. For me, words are important. How you use them yeah. dictates how you're, how you're going to feel throughout your day. So yes, I am fully grateful in my financial journey where, and where I am now. And I look forward to where it's going to take me. Yes. I love that. Gotta be grateful. And still, why are you working towards the next level? So yes, yes. I love that. And I want to know what advice you would give to yourself right now. So most of us, we are asked, what advice would we give to our younger selves? But I want to know, what advice would you give to yourself in this moment? Um, for me personally, I would say, you know, try to live more in the moment, mm, yeah. right? When you're building something, especially as a business owner, like you're trying to build something, you, you kind of miss what's going on today. Yeah. Right. And you, and it can strain family relationships, uh, personal yeah. relationships, friendships, mm -hmm. uh, or just even your own relationship with your own business. You know, you start questioning, is this something I should be doing? Yeah. Can, should I go back to working with somebody? Is this, <laughs> is this really what I'm going to do for the next 30 years or so? So I think that, I think once you can live in a moment, understand, again, celebrating your wins, celebrating mm -hmm. your successes and saying, yes, where I'm at today, what I've accomplished is great. And then bask in that and then move on to build the next thing. Because if you're always like, I need to do, I need to do more. You're never going to see what you've already done. Yeah. Ooh, that is so true. I definitely can relate to that because even the other day I told myself, Cleo, just close the laptop just it's almost one day just close the laptop and you can start fresh tomorrow yeah <laughs> i can tend to not be present in the moment sometimes but i feel like i'm doing a better job of telling myself okay you, you've done a lot today and it's okay to just walk away from the laptop <laughs> sure sure yeah take so time take time for yourself yes because hey we don't we'll be forced to take time for ourselves later <laughs> yes yes so <laughs> I want you to tell us, well, first, I want to thank you so much for taking time to talk with me today. And I really enjoyed the conversation, all the great information that you gave us today. So if you could let us know, how can we connect with you and support you as well? Okay. So connecting with me, you know, you can visit my website, um, fortuneadvisoryllc.com. You can view me on Instagram. I have, um, it's fortune underscore advisory. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn, Robert Fortune. Um, my email is rfortune at fortuneadvisoryllc.com. And my phone number is 347-206-3010. But one thing I want to offer to yourself and your, and your viewers is, um, every time I'm on one of these shows or I'm, or I'm doing something like this or I do a seminar workshop, I tell everybody who's listening or watching, if you reach out to me and tell me you saw me on this, I am offering free consultations to everyone who comes on here, right? So that, so that you know, if it's something that I said that that treat, that piqued your interest, or you need some more answers on one thing, or I sparked something else in your mind to think about something totally that you know I haven't spoken on here, um, I'm offering myself and my services to everybody who's watched this. You just send me an email, say you saw me on on Clio Yoga Finance, and I will offer you a free consultation, and I will sit down with you. And for me, it's like conversations aren't like set at one hour. Like, and then when the buzzer goes off, I'm done talking to you. I've had, I've had consultations that went three hours, right? Wow. So, you know, take advantage. When somebody offers something like this to, out there, take advantage of it. Even if it, even if you don't become a client of mine, even if, you know, 
you don't feel like you have the money or you don't take my advice, just hearing it and then knowing that it can be done, now you can move forward and then maybe you'll do it next year, you know? Or maybe you'll do it next month or maybe you'll do it tomorrow, but um, it has to get done. And I know everybody who's listening, they, they have some financial questions. That's why they tune into you, right? They want to see who Cleo's going to bring on next. That's going to yeah. give me something that's going to help me along my journey. Bring, give me that other stepping stone. So yeah. that's, so I want to offer that. So again, you know, reach out to me on Instagram, um, reach out to me via email or give me a call, send me a text and just let me know. And we can, we can put something together. I have, I have nothing but time, right? When people, <laughs> like we, we said earlier, right? I don't have time to do this. No, I have nothing but time to continue to help people and yeah. provide the information that, um, I've, that I've been privy Mm -hmm. I've gotten over my career because someone who looks like me in the industry that I'm in Mm -hmm. is not normal right so let's (laughs) let's applaud abnormalcy right (laughs) yes I totally agree thank you so much for offering that because I know some people have some questions and it definitely starts with having that phone call having that talk with someone to get those questions answered to help determine the next step. So everyone listening out there, definitely reach out to Robert, connect with him on social media, send him that text, send him that email and see what your next step is for yourself and for your family. And as I always say, at the end of every episode, I wanna encourage you to take, it's just one step at a time. Do your best every single day. That's all we can do, right? Is just do our best. And I want you to have a great week. And don't wonder what if, take a risk, and I'll see you next week. Have a good day. You can be financially free with Cleo.